You're listening to the Empowered Divorce Podcast, where women support women who have experienced betrayal trauma and abuse and are now facing divorce. Here, you'll learn tools and concepts to help guide your journey from a place of empowerment by trusting yourself and becoming the chooser in your life. I'm your host, Amy Woolsey. Thanks for joining. Hello, hello, my amazing listeners. How are you? How is everyone doing? Thanks for joining me today. For those of you watching me on YouTube, welcome my little Stella. She is joining us today. She is loving her little, her spot. Her therapy chair is her spot. <laughs> so she's hogging that chair today. She's joining us today as well. How many of you have like a therapy pet or an animal that really helps you emotionally regulate or helps your children emotionally regulate? We actually, I mean, I wanted Stella. I wanted to get a dog um, after we got, re- after I got remarried. But really the main motivating factor for getting this little thing was for my stepchildren and mine, but really my stepchildren, helping them emotionally regulate. They always came over so dysregulated. And my goodness, it really does work. My oldest stepchild, every time he starts to feel like, his hands are clenching tight and he's like, oh, I'm about ready to lose it. He'll go over and, and pick up Stella or I'll just walk over and hand Stella to him and he calms down. Anyways, she's such a good little companion. So she's with me today. Thank you all for joining me. Happy Thanksgiving. I think this is going to air on Thanksgiving. And I just wanted to let you all know, those of you who are having a really, really difficult time today, maybe you're doing something really, really hard. And going over to family when you really probably just don't feel like it. Or maybe some of you are trying so hard to hold on to the tradition and cook and make it as, quote, normal as possible for your kiddos this year. And you really just want to stay in bed the entire day. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're at emotionally, I just want to hold space and take a deep breath with you. You are not alone in how you feel. Gosh, I remember how hard it was to show up to family events, to family holidays, when the last thing I wanted to be doing was, first of all, feeling grateful. The last thing I wanted to do was talk to people, see people, act normal, pretend to be normal, whatever that was, that those first few holidays going through or after a divorce can be really, really difficult. So if you're in that situation, I just want you to know, I see you, I hear you, I feel you. And let's just take the next few minutes together I do want to share a couple things with you today that you can consider. It's interesting on my other podcast that I do with, I do a few, but one of my other podcasts that I do with Alana on the Choose to Be podcast, where we talk specifically to those women who are experiencing betrayal. And many of them are still in the relationship trying to work through that. But a lot of times when we go to hit record or we, or we have a topic that we want to discuss and I'm throwing some notes in there on where I want to take it. And she's wanting to go in a different direction. And one of her comments is always like, ah, I just, I'm just always thinking about those that are in the early raw stages of betrayal. And if we start heading in this direction, it's going to feel super overwhelming. And so we had this conversation back and forth a lot. And my comment is always, I get that. And with our audience being so big and everyone in so many different directions, I just really feel passionately about 
acknowledging what that early raw stage is going to look like, acknowledging how you might be responding and reacting and what might be happening in your in your mind, body and heart. But also, I just think it's really important. This is just my coach mind, but I just think it's really important to give you all a sense of what is possible, to give you tools to start practicing or tools to put in your belt that maybe you don't want to practice right now, right? Maybe you're just like, for example, gratitude. Everyone's throwing around on Instagram, like, be grateful. And here's all the things that I'm being grateful. It's been the whole month being grateful and naming the things. That might not be where you're at right now. You might be thinking, for gratitude, I am not at all ready to be grateful for anything. Or maybe you're trying so hard to muster up gratitude, but you're not feeling it. Like it's just not resonating or settling in your body. It's absolutely okay to be in that spot. There is nothing wrong with where you're at in your journey. I think it's really important. And I always want to give my listeners, my clients, something to look forward to, something to know, a tool, whether it's a tool, a concept, or some sort of psychoeducation, knowing where you can get, knowing what can be possible, knowing what healthy looks like. I want to give my clients, my listeners, that opportunity to sit with it. Doesn't mean you have to practice it now, but when you know it's possible, then when you're ready, you can pull it out of your tool belt. That's a little bit about what this episode is today. I want to share with you five thoughts that are now beliefs, but five thoughts that I practice the most. I'm going to just go through those five just really briefly. What I'm hoping with this episode today is that you sit with these thoughts that Maybe you write them down and you look at them, think about them, try them on when you try on the thought. And when I say try on the thought, that's just think it, practice thinking it and see how it feels in your body. And I want to empower each and every one of you to know if this is a thought that works for you right now. Is this a thought that just not time for this thought right now? And give yourself permission to either pick it up and keep practicing or put it down and pick it up maybe later, maybe try next week, try next month. Again, with that idea of I'm going to offer you these things that have worked for me, worked for my clients. When you're ready, you can practice and have it work for you. And if those of you who are listening early in the morning, here you have your entire Thanksgiving day, maybe you're dreading it or it's just really hard. You're having a hard time figuring out how am I going to navigate this day? And especially how am I going to navigate this day from a place of empowerment? My first thought that I want to offer you is I am empowered enough. So what can I do here? The second thought is this doesn't change my worth and value. The third thought is I am not my emotions. And so it's okay to feel this. The fourth one is what they think and feel about me is not my business. And the fifth, if love is an option, do I want to choose it here? Now, here's the thing, y'all. If you are getting ready to do really hard things today or this holiday season, I really think that these five thoughts that I'm offering you to practice can really be helpful and get you through these sticky moments and experiences in the next coming months and hopefully help you feel a little bit more empowered because feeling powerless and hopeless, out of control, at a loss, activates your freeze response. We don't do anything because a part of us believes that we can't, that we are not capable enough, smart enough, strong enough, good enough to do that thing. When this thought has been reinforced by outside voices, 
and abuse of power with loved ones over the years, then that thought becomes a belief. I love the word empowered, obviously, because when I felt hopeless, helpless, powerless, and just at a total loss, holding on to one simple yet important truth was where I started shifting into a new belief. The truth that my higher self, that part of me that is created in the image of God, Jenna Raymersmith calls it the God part. This part is empowered enough, is strong enough, and has enough to figure out the next right thing. Other parts of me, the exhausted part, the part that just wants to binge Netflix and overeat, the part that wants to hide in the covers today, the part that's a, that doesn't want to do anything, the part that wants to try harder at being more perfect. Maybe if we're more perfect or do more, then we'll be enough. All of those parts of me are not the capital T-H-E, the me, the self. It's so important to separate these parts out. So when I practice this thought, this first one, I am empowered enough. So what can I do here in this moment? It brings me back to my capital S self. I can problem solve from that part rather than the other parts that aren't really helpful, parts that are afraid, right? Fear part isn't going to problem solve. Fear part, especially future fear part, can't problem solve because it can't see into the future. It will never be able to know how to problem solve for something that hasn't happened yet. Or when anxious part is trying to solve the problem, anxious part's job is to be anxious. Now, it thinks it's protecting us in some way, but its job is not to problem solve. And anxiousness takes us out of the present moment. When we tap into our higher self, and when I say that phrase, I am empowered enough, meaning just as I am, who I really am, my higher self, not what I do or don't do, like nothing outside of me has anything to do with me, my higher self, that God part of me. That's the part that knows how to problem solve. That's the part that does actually have the answers to what can I do in this moment? Now, other parts are going to argue <laughs> with the higher self, right? Other parts are going to be like, listen, you may think that that's a good idea, but we're really scared or that doesn't seem really desirable or that's really uncomfortable. Those are other parts. And any time we can practice separating who we are from all of these other parts of the self is so important. It's when you access decisions, when you access that next right thing right now. When I didn't really believe that I was, then I framed the question, if I am empowered enough, what can I do here in this moment? What would be an option? Sometimes I have to remind my other parts that, hey, you know what? We don't have to do that thing. But let's just get curious for a moment. When you tap into curiosity, you are tapping into your higher self, which leads to the next thought that I practice all the time. This doesn't change my worth and value. I use this thought when I feel failure, weak, or my comparison parts are in high gear, whether it's fear of what others think about your divorce or worry about how you will provide because you put education on hold to raise a family or comparing your healing journey to others like, gosh, they seem to be so happy and free after divorce. I'm still a mess. What's wrong with me? Parts of you will oftentimes make these situations mean something about your intrinsic worth and value as a person. 
like maybe you just don't have what it takes. Something must be wrong with you that you can't stop being triggered all the time or so sad. Here it's the holiday season. What's wrong with you that you can't find joy? Or when your children are upset, they aren't doing well. They're making choices that are harmful. Perhaps they're fighting against you. And now parts of you think, oh my gosh, I'm not a good mom. Something's wrong with me. I can't help my kids. I can't help them feel better. I did this to them because I couldn't save the marriage. Maybe if I was better, more tolerant, Christ-like, supportive, had better coping skills, maybe I could have stayed in the marriage and the kids wouldn't feel this way. Any of that sound familiar? Yeah. You are wrapping these situations that you can't control around your inherent worth and value. This tearing down belief will drown you. When I also have used this thought to help me through my binge eating disorder, when I would binge eat, I'd tell myself, this, this binge eating does not change my worth and value. It's just what I've experienced. I just experienced 24 cookies, but it does not change my inherent lovability or enoughness. Separating your lived experiences as a human, separating your human experiences from your worth and, val and value is imperative. I think I've offered this before, but draw four circles on a piece of paper, two on the top, two underneath, and on the top left, write capital S-E-L-F, whole, complete, enough, 100%. This, is your, this represents your true self. On the top right circle, write brain. Okay, this is your human brain, all of the triggers, all of the thoughts. The bottom left, right, body. These are all the sensations in your body, right? The racing heart, the tightening of the chest, the sick to the stomach, tightening, up, clenching of the jaw, all of those sensations in the physical body. And then on the bottom right, put emotions. These are all the emotion parts. This is a very basic way to start parting yourself out. If you're not familiar with internal family systems or parts work, it is such a great modality to assist you in your healing. But I like starting with these basic parts to help see that you, who you really are, is not your brain, your body, or your emotions. That you are not your thoughts, your feelings, and you're not your body. When we identify with these parts that experience humanness and think they, these parts, are who we really are, when you're going to feel shame when they are, quote, less than what has been told they should be. So if you think that your body should look a certain way and it's not, you're going to feel shame because you're identifying with your body. What's wrong with my body? When you think certain thoughts, thoughts of jealousy, rage, bitterness, and you think you are your thoughts and you identify with those, now you think something's wrong with me that I'm thinking those thoughts. Like, what's wrong with me intrinsically? But no, these are very normal thoughts that is part of every human experience. You are empowered enough. Look at the top left circle when you say that. See how that's true. Don't look at the brain, the body, or the emotion circles. The brain has all of the thoughts of you can't, you have to, you're supposed to, how could you? Don't look at the emotion circle that has all the parts of exhaustion, grief, confusion, self-doubt. You are empowered enough. Now, what can you do here? And when you have this experience, 
it doesn't change your worth and value. Okay, the next one that I practice all the time. I am not my emotions and it is okay to feel this. When intense emotions arise, it's easy to believe that you are an angry person or you are a sad person, like I was saying before, that it's who you are. And when you feel these intense catabolic emotions for an extended period of time, then it's possible to believe that you are your emotions, but you are not your emotions. I was struggling with the emotion of frustration when I first got remarried. And when we were navigating the blending of children, I had already done young children and now it was back to young children and children that aren't mine, children that are raised differently. And I was frustrated a lot, which really quickly next year, there are going to be a series of episodes with Scott talking about healthy relationships and talking about blending families. I'm really excited for that this coming year. But I would tell my coach I am a horrible person because I'm always frustrated with them. Why can't I feel differently? What's wrong with me? I should be the best stepmom ever. I shouldn't be feeling this way. And I really loved her response. It's been one of my favorite thoughts as well. But she said, well, Amy, being that this is your first time being a human and your first time being a stepmom, I wonder if you could give yourself some grace. Yes, it's my first time being human. It is your first time being human. You are doing it right. When I was feeling frustrated, I was doing it right because I hadn't done this before. So yeah, it was frustrating. But I wasn't a bad person. I wasn't weak, horrible, or less of me. I was experiencing frustration as a human. When you feel your feelings, they are not you, and it's okay to feel them. In fact, that is part of being a human. Remember, there's a difference between feeling and resisting, avoiding, and reacting to the emotions. So when I was reacting by maybe yelling or even silent treatment, like walking away and not interacting with them, like I can't solve this, so I'm just going to walk away, I really wasn't sitting with my emotion. When I started to feel the frustration and really stopped shaming or judging myself for feeling it, And taking a deep breath and I would say, man, I am a woman and I feel frustrated. That immediately separated, it told my brain, hey, you're not your frustration, but this is what you're feeling right now. And it's okay. Then I could get curious about, well, why am I frustrated? What is happening? What do I think should be happening? And that's really what was going on is I had these thoughts telling me they shouldn't be acting this way. But The truth is they should because they were. That was the reality. The reality is they were acting that way. When I say they shouldn't, I'm arguing with reality, which, of course, I would feel frustrated when I'm trying to argue with with seeing things as they really are. When you remind yourself, I am not my emotions and it is okay to feel this, it can give you some time to take a breath, slow down, and get curious about what the emotion is telling you. Why? Are you feeling this? You can do that when you remind yourself it's okay to feel it because it has nothing to do with who you really are. Okay, the next one. What others think and feel about me is none of my business. I think this one might be really helpful this coming holiday season because, oh my gosh, how many of you think, yes, it is. It's totally my business what other people think and feel about me. This one was really hard for me to practice years ago because I did feel Like it was so true that what others think 
about me, about my choice to leave, my divorce, my thoughts, about my experience in my marriage. All of it was under attack, scrutiny and judgment. It didn't help that things were also being said about me that weren't true. Not my truth anyways, not my experience. And so I was, I was feeling so many emotions about this. Also, this ginormous need to correct all the people. I felt under attack and I wanted to set the record straight. It's hard to do when no one at the time really knew his acting out behaviors and all the abuse. I hid that. So when he portrays himself as the good guy, and it was so hard for others to believe that he was actually capable of that, which I get it. I mean, I spent over a decade in denial myself, but I would feel even more helpless and powerless when they perceived him differently and couldn't see the truth. I felt helpless and powerless in my truth. So the need for that validation and justice for truth was so real for me. I practiced the thought, what others think and feel about me is none of my business. And I came back to my own control bubble, the intensity to prove myself, explain my choices or feelings lessened, and I did feel lighter and more grounded in my own truth. It's Byron Katie who says there's three types of business, other people's business, God's business, and your business. And so when you get back into your control bubble and you can only control your thoughts, feelings, and actions, that is your business. And we are letting go of business that we don't have agency over. When I hear something said about me that isn't true, I practice the thought, what others think and feel about me is none of my business. When you're dealing with those individuals who are not in a place to create safety for a different opinion, who are not open to you reaching out and being curious about your story or your truth, then you're not going to be beating your head against a wall trying to make them understand your side or your truth, right? If you have someone who is safe to bring things up and say, hey, can I share my perspective and my experience with you as I feel there might be a misunderstanding or a misinterpretation of me? When it's safe to do that, you can actually create an experience of intimacy where you share that vulnerability, that back and forth. That's where if there is a misunderstanding or a misrepresentation, then it is safe to use to correct or to share your thoughts about that. It can actually be a great experience. But when someone isn't safe, when they haven't created that space for, for you to share your story authentically and they stay in curiosity and compassion, then you get back into your control bubble, you stay in your business, and you hold that sacred to you. Okay, last thought. If love is an option, do I want to choose that here? Choosing love, especially when you have been betrayed in your romantic partnership, can be a very complex and challenging journey. It's important to clarify that choosing love doesn't mean condoning harmful behavior or ignoring one's own pain. Rather, what I'm suggesting is that this is about nurturing a state of being that can lead to personal healing and empowerment for you. I love this thought practice because it's not shaming you for not choosing to be more loving. It's not judging you if you don't choose love. Yet it's reminding you of the option that you can choose it or not. After my divorce, I had someone in my church congregation ask, how I'm doing and how things are going since the divorce. I was sharing a few vulnerable struggles that I was facing at the time with regards to communication with my ex, 
and how I was still experiencing abuse and manipulation. And it was causing me a lot of frustration and fear. The person gave a spiritual bypass response of, I'm sure if you choose love like Christ, you feel if you have more Christ-like mannerisms, then you'd feel less fear and frustration. I'd like to add another F word <laughs> about that response, but I will resist. I was not in a place to pick up the choice of feeling love for my ex at that time. I want to point out that this thought also gives space for the timing of the choosing. What I came to also understand is that I can choose the emotions of love and it doesn't have to be about him. Love is always an option for me to feel. I'm the only one who experiences that love. When you feel love, let's just say when you feel love for your kid, when you look at your child's eyes and you feel that emotion of love, that experience of love is in your body. Your child doesn't experience that love. That is your experience because you and you alone control your emotions, feel your emotions in your body. Those sensations that come when you feel love are yours and only yours. Love is always an option to feel and you are the only one who experiences that. And I think most of you who are listening can relate to that. You felt so much love. You loved beautifully. You loved hard. You loved honestly and true for your partner. You couldn't make the other person feel any of that, right? They had to choose that for themselves. So it was your experience with love, which is why when I choose to feel the emotion of love, I feel all of that anabolic energy and it builds me, it nourishes me, it revives me. I like how I feel. I like what I do and don't do when I choose love. The results are pleasing for me. If we don't give ourselves the option to love, then we can stay stuck in anger, hate, or bitterness, blaming, victimizing, and even shaming. When you practice the thought, if love is always an option, do I want to choose it here? You are becoming the chooser. And if you, who you really are, is not your emotions, then if you don't want to choose love or you pick it up off the buffet table of emotions, and then you put it back down five minutes later, that's okay because you are not your emotions. If others think that you should be more loving or you're wrong for not choosing it, <laughs> what other people think and feel about you is none of your business. And whatever you're experiencing and whatever experience you have in life doesn't change your worth and value. You're still 100% enough just as you are because you already have within you the empowerment to choose your next wise step right now. You can practice these thoughts, try them on, see if they give you different results as they become more believable because you can. Take care, everybody. Okay, so after your Thanksgiving food coma and you're lying there pondering all things your brain is throwing at you, <laughs> consider taking advantage of a few of my offers that are coming up. If you'd like to take the Relational Dynamic Assessment, which helps you see very clearly the destructive and abusive behaviors in your past relationship, to help you see more clearly what's healthy, what's not, and what you became accustomed to in that relationship, and how to spot this behavior in the future, I have a group meeting December 8th at 9 a.m. Mountain Time. 
For more information on how to get your spot for that, head over to the show notes. And be watching for the next open registration for Dating From Within. The beginning of January, let's start off the new year dating yourself, understanding on a deeper level how you can show up for you. And when you are in fact ready to begin to date others, then you will know how to be the chooser of your dating experience. Because you can. Take care, everybody.